and welcome to the Tarot to Go radio podcast. I'm Anastasia. It's bright and early on a Saturday morning here at PantheaCon at the Doubletree Hotel in San Jose. With me, bright and bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, Rose Red. Good morning. And Artemis. Welcome. And we're all here, yeah, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I think. Yes. We have a very special guest this morning. We are delighted and honored to welcome Lon Milo Duquette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo! Lon, this is so exciting for us. I am I cannot tell you how appreciative we are that you've made some time in your weekend to come speak with us. Well, bless your heart. So, um, you are the author of 14 books, um, translated into eight languages. Uh, according, this is, um, I'm, I, I, I combed your website to make sure I had my facts straight. And um, we were talking before we went on air, and you mentioned that one of your books has just been translated into Czech. Yeah, so that makes nine languages. Oh, wow. Well, how exciting. Which one was that? Uh, that's the Key to Solomon's Key. Ah, great. This one into Greek and, and Czech. How exciting. So, um, and I understand you also have a new book that just hit the stands a couple of weeks ago? Yes. And that and would be? That's my first novel. Oh, it's, really? a, it's, it's yes. fiction. It's fiction. Fiction, mm-hmm. uh, even more fiction than my <laughs> <laughs> even more fiction than your, than your autobiography. My books on magic, yes. Uh, and it's called Accidental Christ, mm-hmm. uh, the story of Jesus as told by his uncle. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yes, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Because, mm-hmm. uh, uh, it, it was it it only took about ten years to write the thing, and it's and it's not very long. Mm-hmm. But I did it between writing, you know. A few other books, and uh, but I, I enjoy uh, you know the the life of a of writing f- mm-hmm. fiction. The characters take on um, kind of a life of their their own, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, so it's very interesting. And, and I'm sure uh, it, there's something in it to offend everyone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's as a novelist, it's important to have a goal. Right. Yes. And equal opportunities. Yes. 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 There well, go. there you go. Um, no one is left neglected. But it's a beautiful, beautiful book, and um, just I encourage people to to buy it just to uh, to have a beautiful book. I'm not asking them to read it or anything. <laughs> just for the sheer pleasure of ownership. Yeah, that's right. It's got illustrations and everything Ooh. else. Ooh. Yes. Uh, did, did, uh, did, are they like the little illustrations that you sometimes excerpt from your journal to include in your books? Or no, they're not my. Oh, okay. Uh, oh, no, darn. They're, they're that not my stickman. Uh, oh. Uh, but I so enjoy your artwork. Well, I I will. Autograph it and put a little obscene cartoon of myself on, well, on it if you yeah. wish. That, that sounds splendid. So um, I guess where to start is I first became aware of you through your work on the Crowley Thoth Tarot. And um, so we'd like to talk to you about that today, okay. obviously, being, being a sort of Tarot-centric podcast here. Um, what made you decide, gosh, I want to write a whole book on a deck that somebody else made? Uh, I didn't decide that, and okay. um, you know the the Thoth deck is, uh, and you can pronounce Thoth any way you want. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's they're all incorrect. Well, I'm glad we got that. <laughs> yes. so, yeah. so you say Thoth and Thoth and Tot and go, go ahead, and uh, uh, I say Thoth because that's the way I learned it early on, and. But anyway, in any given year, it's one of the best-selling tarot decks in the world and has mm-hmm. been for the last 30-some years. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was uh, 
really, uh, the book that Crowley wrote that supposedly elucidated, you know, upon the, upon the deck, was one of his greatest works of, of um, magical literature in, in his entire life. And he wrote it just in the last few years of his life. And uh, it was sort of a synthesis of his entire magical career, mm -hmm. lumped into um, uh, one convenient filing category, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, known as the tarot. And it was um, it's kind of an interesting thing. Uh, the, the artist was Frida Harris. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's another thing. Right off the bat, you know, we call her Lady Frida Harris. And she was the wife of Lord Percy Harris and was an eccentric. <laughs> something like this only happens in England. Yeah. Um, uh, Lord Harris was, um, was her husband, but um, uh, he was a baronet. Mm, yes. It sounds like a musical instrument. <laughs> he was a baronet, and um, he wasn't um, a Sir Percy Harris in the same way that he had an inherited title. Right. Okay. Yes. Um, so uh, she could be called Lady Harris, mm -hmm. or Frida Harris, mm -hmm. or Frida Lady Harris. Yes. yes. Okay. But we know that she wasn't. She wasn't too shy about slipping every once in a while. <laughs> But she was a very um, interesting character. And when she met Aleister Crowley through mutual friends, uh, she, she wanted Crowley to write the book that lumped up his entire, his entire um, uh, magical education in one, in one big book. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I'm tired, <laughs> I'm old, I don't want to do that, just read all my other books. That's what I did those for. Leave me alone. And uh, but she pressed him mm -hmm. on the on the thing and said, "Look, um, why don't you write this um, write this book and categorize literally categorize it uh, uh, filing cabinet wise along the lines of uh, you know the, how the tarot is cabalistically um, broken up." And uh, she says, "I'll um, I'll illustrate it." And he said, no, I don't want to do that. So and he came back and said, look, why don't you get, a, get an old tarot deck of some kind, you know, an existing tarot deck. And, and he loved her art. Mm -hmm. And uh, he says, why don't you just tweak an old deck? And I'll write the little white book, booklet, you know, to, uh, to go with it. And we'll, you know, we'll split the money. Uh, you know, you don't even have to say I wrote the pamphlet or just do that. And she said no. <laughs> and finally, she came back to him with an offer uh, he couldn't refuse because he was an undischarged bankrupt at the time, and he wasn't even uh, he didn't even have control over his own intellectual assets, right. his own property and stuff. So she said, "I will pay you to teach me magic." I will become your your official magical student. Mm -hmm. I'll join the AA. I'll join the OTO. And um, meanwhile, I'm going to paint an entire tarot deck, and you're going to write the book that I always <laughs> wanted you to write. And he kind of put two and two to you. Well, well, that's not really paying me, boy. And I sure need cigars and brandy and. 
And okay. <laughs> but I'll only do it for six months. Mm -hmm. you know? And then five years later, there's still the war comes <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and uh, there's rationing. And so this was mid 1930s. They're having these late, yeah. late 30s, okay. late 30s uh, through the war. And so what I'm finding is new in this is that it sounds like Lady Frida Harris brought her drive to kind of push him to get into this project as opposed to the other way around. Right. I've always heard that he was the driving force and she just kind no. of sketched out a couple plates to help him out kind of thing. No, she was the driving force behind both the Book of Thoth and the, and the tarot deck. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, but once she started... Uh, you know, Crowley was a ruthless, uh, you know, o overseer, mm -hmm. and he made yeah. her do some of them as many as eight times over. Mm -hmm. wow. And okay. there's a there's, but there's only a few of them that that got to an advanced stage, you know, kind of a finished stage. And the magician or the magus is uh, is one of those. Mm -hmm. And the uh, the A. G. Mueller uh, Publishing Company publishes the. Two extra versions of the of the magus mm -hmm. uh, that Crowley allowed her to get all the way through, and th then finally said, "No, I, I like this one best." So, uh, so the one that we usually see uh, on mm -hmm. most decks that that's the approved one. Mm -hmm. And uh, please, if you hear that the Thoth Tarot is an eighty card tarot deck. <laughs> and that there's three Magus cards just gonna ask that creating question. a new tarot deck. Or if you hear things like, God, I've, I've heard this by people who know better, that the three Maguses were the three wise men that visited uh, baby Jesus. And, in oh, Crowley's universe? Oh, <laughs> if Crowley had a grave, he'd be rolling over at that thought. So, but um, now that you mention it, did uh, Lady Frida Harris print those other two? Additional. Well, she uh, as as a tarot deck. Mm -hmm. Okay, as a tarot deck, uh, they only got the most primitive, um, horrible, sort of um, tritone um, edition as tarot cards, and I and I believe the, mm -hmm. the, the standard magus is among those. These were exhibited as as art, mm -hmm. and um, they're about. You know, for the for the listeners, they were about this tall. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but I've, I've seen um, uh, earlier versions of other cards, including the, the, the Emperor. But um, she did two versions of the Fool first, and the Fool was unmistakably Harpo Marx. Wow. Oh, how funny. It, and it's perfect, mm -hmm. you know, because the Fool is Harpo. Hippocrates, okay. right, and you know he's silent, mm -hmm. beep beep, you know, and uh, just like Harpo, it would have been perfect. But I think Crowley, uh, <laughs> Crowley being a fan of the Three Stooges instead, so. <laughs> I know. or something. But anyway, so I guess that didn't answer your question. I got off on Frida. What was yeah. the question? The, the, the question was, did you just wake up one day and say, "Gosh, I'm going to oh. write a book on the Thoth Tarot"? No, I didn't. I, I never decided. To, mm -hmm. to write a book on the Thoth Tarot, uh, it's a it's a huge huge um, uh, subject, and um, the best book on the subject is Crowley's Book of Thoth. Right. I mean, mm -hmm. it's already there. Why, why write write another one? But then you know, when you think about it, it takes uh, a moderately intelligent person about what, twelve thirteen years 
to uh, even begin to open the little doors that the Book of Thoth um, presents you. you. You need a background in Crowley's um, entire body of work up until that point. Right. And uh, to, to make uh, any sense of his references and such, then you need a, r a real good background in, in uh, not only alchemy, but Crowley's specific kind of sexual alchemy, mm -hmm. uh, which sort of dominated his interests for uh, the better part of his life after the teens. <laughs> and um, so, but I didn't want to do, that's a big project. I'm a lazy, <laughs> lazy person. And so it never, ever, ever occurred to me to, uh, uh, to do that, and uh, but uh, I was visiting the Book Expo America in Chicago mm -hmm. a few years ago, and uh, I always loved the Book Expos. It's fun. I get to hang out in a hotel and and uh, crash parties, and, and you do seem to like to do that. I yeah. do, and, that. And, and, I and, do. And, and people schmooze you and yeah. wine you yeah. and dine you, and it's good to be lawn. It is good to be lawn, you know. <laughs> And then I go home, and, and Constance brings me back down to her. <laughs> you have to take out the trash. So, well, I should. <laughs> <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> but um, uh, Judith Hawkins, uh, who's now uh, Judith Hawk Hawkins uh, Tillerson of mm -hmm. New Leaf Distributing. She's the senior occult buyer for New Leaf and had been for a number of years. Uh, and a very, very, very good friend. She wrote the introduction to my tarot book called mm -hmm. Tarot of Ceremonial Magic. Mm -hmm. I'm plugging that. Tarot of Ceremonial <laughs> Magic by Wiser Books. That goes with my deck, Tarot of Ceremonial Magic. <laughs> M-A-G-I-C-K. I didn't bring that. I'm so bad. Um, and that, my deck is U.S. Games. And yes. Stuff. Okay. And um, Judith was kind enough to write the introduction to that. That's a long story. Mm -hmm. I was having dinner with her in the Biltmore Hotel in Los Angeles, and I fell down three flights of steps coming oh back gosh. from the restroom. What a picture it was. But anyway. <laughs> and so she agreed while to... I, while I, while I, my, my leg was all swollen up and my foot's all swollen up, and said, well, we got a big room. New Leaf has a big room upstairs. Let's put that on ice. So I go up and I put my foot in the ice bucket, and I go, oh, by the way, I got this manuscript. <laughs> Quite the ploy, uh, you know, incurring personal injury as a ploy to get your your manuscript in front of so the trip down those stairs. Yeah. Uh, oh no, I it really did. But uh, so she took it into the bathroom where there was where was the best light, and she read that thing. And well, that's another story. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Judith says I'm uh, uh, I've made an appointment uh, to uh, meet with uh, Donald Weiser. Um, who had published, I don't know, three or four of my books by then. Mm -hmm. um, meet with Donald Weiser and Buddy, Betty Lundstead of Weiser Books and um, and me at the Weiser booth at uh, 3 o'clock or something mm -hmm. like that. Was, so I figured it was just we were going to talk about where we are going to go for dinner and stuff. <laughs> and um, You can be so naive, Lon. I, am, I, I need a lot of looking after. <laughs> And um, so I show up, and um, Judith is there, and we sit down, and Judith starts talking about my book, uh, The Magic of uh, Thelema, which is now called The Magic of Aleister Crowley. Mm -hmm. And in that book, and with that book, I tried to explain 
in more non-Crowley-esque language what Crowley's book, The Magic or uh, Magic and Theory and Practice, okay. was about. Mm -hmm. Now, Magic and Theory and Practice is Crowley's uh, central central work, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, again, it's the best book on uh, on magic uh, available. But again, it takes about 12 years. To, <laughs> so what I did was write a book that I wished that I would have read mm -hmm. along with um, Magic and Theory and Practice so I could, you know, um, um, it would have cut a few years off of my learning curve. Okay, And for me, it would have cut about 13 years off my learning curve. And, and maybe not so. cut so many years off your life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I have television I want to watch. <laughs> and... Um, so uh, she said, um, in so many words, uh, you know, Lon made that goddamn book uh, understandable. I didn't mm -hmm. understand it until now, and goddamn it, you know, excuse my language. Um, it's hers. I'm only quoting her. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and then she throws the book of Thoth down, and she says, nobody understands this one either. <laughs> I think Lon should write you know, the equivalent of the magic of Thelema about the book of Thoth. I think he can explain the book of Thoth where people can understand it. <laughs> and I'm going, I thought we are just going to go to a party tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing a parallel between yeah. Lady Fia Harris and Crowley. And <laughs> oh, yes, Judith. Yeah. <laughs> Judith, yeah. Oh, that's scary. <laughs> um, and, you know, I look over at Don and Betty like, you know, help me out here. Turn this, <laughs> turn this down. Say you know, no, this is, you know, no. I got a, I got a life. I got TV to watch. <laughs> and, um, and they're backing away from the table. Nope, you're on your own. <laughs> and, you know, uh, they think I'm in on the pitch, I guess. <laughs> and, um, and they go, well, okay, yes. I think, like, yes, go ahead, Lon. <laughs> and you're like, oh, and, you, know, you weren't going to do anything for the next few years of your life, were you? No, no. And I, uh, <laughs> well, you know, it's hard enough to 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 get anything published, and you know, mm. uh, you sh I'm always thrilled to death, you know, when when uh, somebody you know picks up one of my books and and is willing to you know leap of faith me. <laughs> um, but this one came completely out of the blue, mm -hmm. and uh, but it was one of those moments that sort of the, the hair sort of stuck up on my head, like <laughs> you know this is bigger than this is bigger than my uh, laziness, <laughs> and there was this huge I remember this huge thunderstorm one you know, only in Chicago in the mm -hmm. summer mm -hmm. or in the spring, uh, and there was this huge thunderstorm. I went back to the hotel room and and. Uh, uh, there was lightning striking right next the buildings next door and such and uh, I I thought well maybe I better give this my best shot and um, uh, you know it was it's a not, sign it's not from perfect. the universe well I don't know if it's a sign for the universe or just uh, a dramatic moment <laughs> you know? but uh, so that's what I did and it took about three years and and um, uh, two pair of glasses because wow. I I had to uh, you know look at a lot of the 
the drawings and stuff, you mm -hmm. know, with the magnifying glass and mm -hmm. and and such. And it, it, it's it's not perfect, but it was as, as good as I could uh, I could do being the inept person I am. <laughs> Hardly. But uh, I re yeah, I really enjoyed doing it. It's one of my favorite. Uh, uh, favorite books, and it's been relatively well received. Mm -hmm. In uh, in your opinion, how much influence did Crawley have over the actual image of most of the plates within the box row? Oh, I th I think um, uh, style wise, it's all Harris. Mm -hmm. Okay, okay. Um, she uh, was a student of uh, uh, Olive Witcher and. Uh, what was Adam's first name? Uh, they, they were students of uh, Rudolf Steiner, and Rudolf Steiner was working with this um, uh, theoretical, um, mathematical thing called uh, synthetic projective geometry. And sometimes it's projective synthetic geometry, I, in both ways. Um, which is sort of a, sort of a, uh, a break with Euclidean uh, geometry where um, uh, like a point within a within a circle has relative uh, 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 has a relative distance between the, the various points on the circumference mm -hmm. and if you move that point the relative distances uh, you know change very neatly right. and but with projective uh, synthetic uh, geometry uh, both the circumference of the circle and the center can occupy the same position same time and um, wow okay. yeah and so the uh, what, what you see is uh, the fabric of space actually stretched and and, uh, and warped and so a lot of the cards um, you know show this with uh, uh, almost netting mm -hmm. yeah okay yeah there you go mm -hmm. yeah yes. and so the looking at the priestess card for those of you who are following along at home with your own deck and uh, so what it what it does is that it uh, obliges the mind to not worry if the card is jumping out at you or if you're falling into the card or <laughs> if the, the the image is receding. Mm -hmm. Okay, and um, um, so so it's very interesting. So he was uh, the style is hers. Right? Mm -hmm. um, she didn't want to draw faces. Hmm. She didn't like faces. She's not really good with faces. And uh, the, the first few uh, uh, drafts, mm -hmm. she didn't have faces. And Crowley lit into her with page after page of, <laughs> you know why you don't want to draw faces? Because, and then he talks to her like a psychiatrist. This is why you don't want to draw faces, you know. It's not just art, it's a big problem in you, lady. And uh, uh, so, uh, but in very few other instances do I see him, um, uh, you know, messing with her style. Mm -hmm. But, as for the, the, the images themselves, the collection of symbols uh, on the cards, I think he had a great deal to do do with them mm -hmm. but um, he uh, um, he expected her to be familiar with the Golden Dawn the personal Golden Dawn model and that wasn't a published deck that was uh, a private deck that mm -hmm. uh, 
members of the Golden Dawn painted themselves off of a off of a mother deck. Right. And uh, so those were the esoteric uh, structures of the individual cards were the descriptions as found in the, the Golden Dawn material. So he set her loose with that mm-hmm. and uh, allowed her to, to do some sketches and they would write back and forth. And uh, uh, for a while early on they were both in London and it wasn't so so hard. But the, mm-hmm. the war... And the troop trains and the rationing and, mm-hmm. and then Crowley eventually moving uh, out into the country and Frida having to, you know, pack stuff up and and bring it to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's amazing that they did it as fast as they did it. Mm-hmm. So, now I understand that uh, one of the things I've read is Crowley picked Lady Frida Harris because of her uh, strength and knowledge in Egyptology. Is is that your understanding as well? Uh, no, it is not. Um, uh, Frida was a theosophist and a co-mason. Okay. And um, the level of understanding of Egyptology, even in their days, uh, was horrible. <laughs> um, and Frida was almost a complete novice as far as magic goes. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is where Crowley had, had to keep, keep on her. And um, he always wanted her to, to read his books and theory and practice and stuff. Oh, read this and it'll all be clear. Yeah. <laughs> right. right. There wasn't any Duquette in those days to, to make it clear. And she would write him back and said things like, you know, um, this would, uh, uh, you know, be easier to learn if it was if it was written in, you know, another language. You know, how do you expect anyone? To, to understand what you're talking about, mm-hmm. and uh, and she was right, but uh, no, I don't think she had a big uh, uh, background in Egyptology at all. And even if she did, the level of Egyptology at the time wouldn't have given her much help, much right. help at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, she um, she did a series of paintings for the Masons. Mm-hmm. Okay, the her her three trestle board um, paintings are are in. Uh, hanging on the walls in in several Masonic lodges that I that I visited, mm-hmm. and I think most of the Masons. Well, this was you know she was the she painted the stuff for the B six six six. Yeah, <laughs> that can't be in here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. So before this project was handed to you, I suppose is a nice way of saying it. Um, had you worked much with this deck? Yeah, that was mm-hmm. that was my deck of choice for, mm-hmm. for a number of years. When I did my own tarot deck, then I switched uh, to it because what kind of an advertisement would I be if I didn't use my own deck? Exactly. But uh, yes, uh, well, I started in BOTA. Right. I love the builders of the Aditum. Even if they don't like Crowley, I love them. Okay. <laughs> uh, and. Um, you know, I, I took those lessons and uh, started in on their Kabbalah course. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and of course, BOTA says don't read with tarot cards because uh, that'll cripple you spiritually, you know. Really? <laughs> and, um, well, you know, maybe later on, but 
they, you know, this is to study Kabbalah, and this mm -hmm. is to study, and this is the self-transformational mm -hmm. uh, thing, and uh, don't use it for fortune telling. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I was still sort of programmed on uh, that way. Mm -hmm. And, um, but uh, I was also in the Rosicrucian Order Amwork. And, uh, and I enjoyed that too. That's where I learned that I liked dressing up in robes and strutting around in the dark. Okay. <laughs> and um, so I was studying the Rosicrucian thing and studying the BOTA um, Tarot and Kabbalah thing. And I went to Pickwick Bookstore, B. Dalton, for all of those people <laughs> born in the 20th century. <laughs> um, and I saw the Thoth deck for the first time in a slip case. And it's just so beautiful, and it had that rose cross on the back. Mm -hmm. I said, ooh, my favorite oh, thing's rose cross. Right. Tarot there. cards. Mm -hmm. So I took them home and opened them up and looked at them, and I loved them, mm -hmm. but I was scared of them mm -hmm. because they're disturbing. Yes. And they're very, very beautiful, but they're so beautiful that maybe they're supernatural. It's like <laughs> Paganini, the violinist. Mm -hmm. He played the violin so so fabulously different than anyone had ever played it before that people said, the devil must have <coughs> Right. And he got into that and wore capes and <laughs> drove up to his concerts in hearses and stuff. You know? <laughs> and... Uh, uh, so that's kind of what I thought. I, I looked at that fool and I go, oh, that one looks crazy. Mm -hmm. you know? And I said, well, it's the fool. Of course he's crazy, but God, he doesn't have any eyelids and he's got horns. And, right. And, Eyes bugged out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But then again, I went through a couple cards more and I saw that high priestess and I go, wow, breasts. <laughs> and, uh, this is okay. But I, I was sort of disturbed and it said Alistair Crawley. On the side, I didn't know how to pronounce it. It is pronounced Crowley, or Crowley told people to pronounce it Crowley. It rhymes with holy. <laughs> uh, and it said, Alistair Crowley. And I said, I've read that name somewhere before. Mm -hmm. This is my introduction to, the, uh, to Crowley and Thelema, it was mm. in Thothero. And uh, so I had a little, little uh, cheap called Dictionary that I got at Ralph's right at the checkout stand. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, wow. right there with the make your own sushi and stuff. And um, they have sushi then? No, it says make your own sushi. Those little pamphlets uh -huh. kind yeah, of things. So uh -huh. there's a little book on yeah. uh, occult dictionary, and it mm -hmm. said Alistair Crowley, famous Scottish Satanist. <laughs> and I go, whoa! The devil did do those cars. Oh. <laughs> But I find it interesting that the, even on your first blush that you found that this deck had an edge to it. Yeah. Which yeah. most people do when, mm -hmm. when they're introduced to it. Yes. Um, so it, it, it's amazing. And um, I had never worked seriously with the deck until I bought your book. Because I'd look at the images and go, what am I supposed to do with this? Yeah. Um, you know, just because it is so different from everything else I've ever worked with. And it's like, oh, I'll deal with this later. I have time to think about it. Um, but then your book came out. It's like, oh, wait. Somebody actually sat down and looked at all this. And um, it's like, oh, I never noticed that in that card. And I never noticed that in that card. Oh, that's and, and, you know, good. somebody had somebody else had time to sit down and look at them with a magnifying really glass. Happy. And right. that was very helpful to me. Um, so um, just 
Um, I, I know we're, we've been keeping you for a while, and you have to wander on soon. Oh, I'm, but, I'm okay. I'm but okay. Um, but um, Artemis, did you have anything else you want to talk about this? Well, I know you have strong ties to the magical community. So I wanted to touch a bit about that, uh, your interest in origins in, in that particular vein. Okay, and that ties in nicely because what I want to do is kind of transition over and talk about your tarot deck, the um, Tarot of, of Ceremonial Magic. Oh, yes. And That's right, Tarot of Ceremonial Magic. magic. Okay, everybody on three. The tarot, tarot of Ceremonial, ceremonial Magic. magic. Um, with a That's K. with a K, yes. Okay. Um, and so... Um, yeah, so I think that ties in nice with Artemis's question of you know getting involved with magic and then getting to the point where you created your right. own deck. Um, well, it's a it's a it's long and boring story. <laughs> That's not true. I read my life with the spirits, and it was one of the funniest autobiographies I've ever read, oh, and okay. I enjoyed it. And I was I was in a cafe, and I was howling with laughter. Um, and it, it's, it was in a very small town, and people were kind of looking at the book cover and going, eh, we'll just leave this person alone. Maybe she'll go away. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, the, yeah, I got interested in the Rosicrucians because mm -hmm. um, uh, I, uh, you know, my father was a Freemason. Mm. And uh, and I always liked the mystical look to his books, his Alpike book and <laughs> and, and such. And, and I always ask him about, no, can't tell you, son, that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, you know, I really wanted to, ooh, a secret. And there's always, wow, that eagle's got two heads. Ooh, what's that about? <laughs> and um, This is before the concept of genetic mutation yeah, was part of your frame of reference. Yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, so you know, deep down in my family, you know, I I, I thought, well, here's a here's sort of a, my dad belongs to a secret society, and and I see him and other guys wearing the same rings, you know, making funny signs <laughs> and giving each other business and stuff like that, and and uh, so, uh, but in the '60s, I wanted, uh, you know, I'm a child of the '60s, mm -hmm. and. Uh, I was really, really interested in Eastern mysticism and all the, all those things that psychedelics, you know, bring into your life, <laughs> and um, and so I thought I'd be a yogi. Mm -hmm. And uh, and there's and that great in, picture of you standing on my head in the lotus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there that's probably the last time I did that. <laughs> and um, so yeah, I really wanted to get behind that, and I could see myself. You know, gaining enlightenment, sitting under a, a tree with a shaved head like Cain. You know? <laughs> and uh, um, that's what I wanted wanted to do. And I kept thinking, wow, I would look so cool gaining enlightenment. I'd be so cool without an ego. <laughs> Man, I'd be the coolest guy with no ego. <laughs> and, 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 and it finally dawned on me that... that we people in the West are, um, not that I want to generalize, but I will. In, in the West, <laughs> we have sort of a different approach it's, mm -hmm. to, to stuff. It's, it's easy kind of for the Eastern uh, psyche to still themselves and know that everything's within oh. and, and to work on it like that. And in the, that's true. But in the, with the, you really want to look at the big picture of consciousness and stuff. There is no outside of you anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. So in the in the in in the West, we like to work on these inner things, 
outside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> we, we love rituals and we love, uh, to our hideous detriment, scripture. Mm-hmm. We love people telling us what to do and shaking their, their hair and saying, Jesus wants you to do this and stuff. And it's all about the regalia, really. And, yeah. yeah, we like we like the outer stuff. And um, so I, 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 I tried to find the same sort of subtlety and same sort of profundity that, like, uh, I would get out of the Tao Te Ching. Because mm-hmm. I love the Tao Te Ching and the I Ching. And uh, I wanted a Western something like that. Right. right. Okay. And I couldn't find it. Mm-hmm. Um, at least, at least at first, and and everything um, that I did find was sort of um, really encumbered with Christian, you know, self hate and guilt and sin and whipping yourself and stuff, you know. Uh, and um, so I was almost given given up. But then uh, my brother said, "Hey, this Rosicrucians." Mm-hmm. I joined the Rosicrucians. Yeah, I'm joined. Go to the lodge. They're, they're like mystic Freemasons, only they're they're women too. You know. Ooh, and, uh, and wardrobes. Wardrobes, yes. We can all robe up together, shall we? And uh, so um, that that was sort of the sort of the beginning. And and when I found Crowley here with those tarot deck. Um, uh, I, I eventually stopped freaking out about <laughs> oh, yeah. Crowley. I got the Book of Thoth, one of the first things I read, and and although I didn't understand ninety nine percent of it or, or less, uh, you know, I knew the guy was uh, knew his stuff. Mm-hmm. And not only that, even early on, I sensed this this incredibly powerful sense of humor, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I thought, you know, if a guy can be that smart and that cool, mm-hmm. you know, at the at the same time, and and then not care if people think he eats babies and stuff, <laughs> um, yeah. uh, then I think I want to learn more about about this. So mm-hmm. that's how my interest in magic uh, uh, started. Mm-hmm. But there's there, there really isn't. A, you know, a, a magic school to go to and mm-hmm. stuff. You, you know, I'm sort of on my own. And, uh, and Mr. I, Bob's Academy of Magic? Well, I'm sure there are things <laughs> like that, and they serve their purpose. But, uh, um, you know, even, even in the OTO, when I found the OTO, um, and I found the OTO through the, that uh, card that's on the... Both tarot. Mm-hmm. I wrote him. He's in Dublin, California. Wow. I didn't, Wee. And, uh, Scenic Dublin, California. Yeah. And so I, I, I wrote, at first I had this dream about an initiation. It was kind of neat. But anyway, I woke up after that dream, and I wrote that address mm-hmm. on the Thoth Tarot deck. And uh, I said, kindly communicate to me as you will. And well, it wasn't their will to communicate to you know, somebody who's big an idiot is to write something like that. Yeah. And so, about six months later, I wrote again. Hey, I knew that. I know that sounded sort of weird. I, you know, I'm really yeah. interested. Send me your brochure. Right. Well, they didn't want to send me any brochures. <laughs> uh, eventually, we we connected, and uh, by the time I got initiated, I, I found out that there was only like six living members left. 
you know. Wow. And uh, five of them were uh, Crowley contemporaries. Wow. And uh, so I thought, well, I get, you know, because I was looking for a big golden door and people mm -hmm. to tell me right. what to think right. and stuff. Right. And sorry, in Philema, they don't tell you what to think. As a matter of fact, they, <laughs> you know, they throw everything back in your lap and um, figure it out for yourself. Figure it out for yourself, dude. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's, uh, but I, but I enjoyed that. I especially enjoyed the, the fact that uh, there was this uh, scripture, as it were, this mm -hmm. book of the law. Which nobody can tell you what what it means. <laughs> no one can interpret it for you. And even mm -hmm. if it scares the bejesus out of you, well, it's your own bejesus that gets scared. <laughs> <laughs> they these get scared you. out, you know. And mm -hmm. uh, these you are know, your they, issues. They, deal with them. Yeah, yeah. And it really is your issues mm -hmm. uh, because. Uh, but anyway, so that was, uh, and so magic is my philosophy, my religion, my, uh, whatever. So, so somehow, so, so you ended up involved in magic and then creating your own tarot deck. Was that part of yeah. your initiation process or just a oh, personal desire? Getting up in the morning is part of my initiation process. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Especially me, this morning. Well, yeah. not everybody wants to take on the challenge of creating their own deck. So right. yeah. usually, right. we're always interested in what what is the driving motivation to, okay, I'm going to take on this project and... I didn't do that either. Okay. Mm. Um, <laughs> Somebody smacked you upside the head now, with a Nerf bat and said, another broken you got to do this. Come to the table and join us. We'll down. give you lunch this time. Yeah, yeah i got to yeah. trick myself into worthy projects. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just okay for scooting through the day. Um, well, I was interested in the Goetia, mm -hmm. the Solomonic magic. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw that as a viable psychodrama. Mm -hmm. Okay. And um, and it, I I'd done a few uh, evocations, and I sort of had a, had a good feel for for what this really what this really is, and what it really isn't. Mm -hmm. What it really isn't is what most people think it really is. Care to clarify they, that? They, well, they they think it's kind of a superstitious thing, like there are demons that uh, that have a a hotel somewhere under the <laughs> under the ground just sitting around saying, well, I hope nobody whips me up today. It's been, well, how long has it been for you? Well, 10,000 years. <laughs> <laughs> another hand of poker? Sure. Yeah. <clears throat> but that's another story. Um, so I was interested in the Goetia. And um, the, there's, there's a classic way to distribute those 72 spirits uh, According to Deccans in the in the zodiac, mm -hmm. and there, there's all these tables that you can find seven 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 and 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 such. So there is a traditional day of the year, either day or nighttime, mm -hmm. that's sacred to each of these 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 spirits. Right, mm -hmm. it's where they belong, and the tarot, um, the thirty six small cards of the tarot, the two through tens of the four suits, also are those same 10 degree periods of, mm -hmm. the, of, the, of the zodiac. Right. So, uh, but in order to find, you know, which spirit goes with which day, <laughs> first of all, you gotta figure out how the their names are spelled in Hebrew, then you have to find <laughs> that Hebrew on the list there of those tables, and it's a pain in, it's a neck. 
And um, if you're fond of looking up information in tables, it sounds great. Yeah, and I'm I'm not. <laughs> and it interferes with their TV watching. So I, I was down at my little local occult uh, bookstore, and I saw this um, uh, combination book deck uh, kit. Mm -hmm. Says the oh, I'll, it's out of print, so I'll I'll trash it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, the Key of Solomon cards, mm -hmm. and I said, "Oh, someone has finally <laughs> done this! Oh, thank God! Uh, you know, <laughs> I'm going to spend the twelve bucks, and I'm going to buy that thing." And I'm well, gonna, that was a long yeah, time ago. It was a long time ago, and um, finally, I'm going to have that, and I'm going to be able to, you know, work with it that way. And uh, so I get it home, and I start looking at it, and getting the cards out. And um, first of all, the Solomonic magic they want you to do is like candle lighting and stuff. <laughs> and then little prayers to, you know, Oh, thou spirit, pay him and, <laughs> Oh, happy spirit, pay him and, you know, <laughs> Come, you know, pay him and my God. But, uh, so I don't see this quite working for you. Well, um, it, it, it would have, because again, if anybody goes to the trouble to write a book, get it published, God bless them, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but the cards were not, it would have been very easy to put the right card with the right date and the right, mm -hmm. okay, it would have been easy. Mm -hmm. But they didn't. They just, just oh. arbitrarily started one way and just went all the way through the zodiacal oh. year. Uh. And every chance they had to even accidentally get one right, they they, they just, blew that. I mean, the odds oh. of them getting them all screwed well, wow. up. You know, you have publisher pretty... deadlines and that sort of thing. Well, well maybe you would have done that before. It, it was, you, well, anyway. And in all fairness to them, they weren't. Uh, uh, they never intended to get that heavy into okay. them, okay. Mm -hmm. but I was disappointed. Sold as an entertainment only. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, and obviously so, it fits that way. And so I, you know, and I've been given this magic class in my house for, you know, 28 years. And uh, so I said, well, for class, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get some note cards and I'm going to down at work while no one's looking, I'm going to, you know, put the right spirits on the right, mm -hmm. on the right cards. Mm -hmm. right? And so what I ended up with was 36 cards with 72 spirits, a pair, one for day and one mm -hmm. for night. And I'd written out the, the right day and the right mm -hmm. uh, degrees of the zodiac and, and such. So I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And then I started thinking, you know, um, there are Enochian squares. There's 36 Enochian squares, and mm -hmm. they uh, they go on there too. Mm -hmm. And so I made a new set with with those on it, and then I thought, well, you know, well, I can do 16 court cards because the court cards are the and the aces are the elemental tablets of the Enochian mm -hmm. thing, and blah blah blah. blah. <laughs> so, so I put that stuff on. And this is all while you're at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow, yeah. what a great job. I've been a lucky man, <laughs> yeah. and um, so uh, so so I have, I've got the aces and and uh, well, I'll put the angels of the Shemhamperish on there. They belong on there too in five degree periods. So I'll just put those on. So I put those on there too, and then I uh, thought, well, you know, if I maybe I should just put tarot images. 
on these on, on these blank things. Mm -hmm. And so I did uh, did that. Just came up with some designs that you know, in my own way, were consistent with uh, uh, the Golden Dawn descriptions and mm -hmm. the, uh, what I'd learned so far with the Crowley thing. And then I just thought, well, you know, if I had the trumps, I'd have a complete freaking tarot deck. <laughs> and so... That's the easy part, right? Might as well throw them in. Ah, so I just did the <laughs> trumps. Now, now that sounds like a marketing decision. Yeah. Well, you know... It, Making it, the plates easy, fit that 78 card <laughs> slab. Well, it, it wasn't... Because I'm, I'm not an artist, and but what I wanted, really wanted, it was not so much marketing, but I wanted what the Golden Dawn... Mm -hmm. Original Golden Dawn members had was mm -hmm. their own tarot deck that they painted themselves. Right. And mm -hmm. They did it, and it was their own. And um, again, I could see, you know, my grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Oh, what's this? Oh, Grandpa did yeah, always, you know, look at this. Oh, he, he must have painted it himself. For the devil came and drug his soul to hell. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how how that happened, and, mm -hmm. and, and it was sort of like five years. Oh, then I um, again I took him to the BEA, mm -hmm. showed him to Judith Hawkins. Uh, she she saw the my astrological. Uh, what I showed astrologically um, mm -hmm. uh, on the cards, and instantly uh, something clicked that she'd never been able to understand about, the, mm -hmm. you know, how the, the the planets are allotted to the to the zodiac signs in the small cards, and because mm -hmm. uh, it's just right in front of you on the right. deck, you know, and so she just uh, took me over to Stuart Kaplan, <laughs> and um, that was that. She didn't break your leg. No, no. Actually, Don Weiser, um, I, I showed it to Don, and Donald uh, always had the Weiser booth right next to U.S. Games for years. So. <laughs> hmm, how, how cozy. And, yeah, so here's Judith and and Donald, and so on the way over, the nine mm -hmm. steps between, mm -hmm. you know, those two booths, I told Don, uh, well, Don, I got a book that goes with this, you know. <laughs> And, uh, of course, I didn't, you know. Uh -huh. So, okay, we'll do the book, and, and Stuart here will do the deck. Wow. And that was, you know, when I tell people that, they say, you're disgusting. That's Yes, it just fell into my lap after five years of work. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah but it's, right. it's an overnight success. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh-huh. Right. Wow. It, it, it's just very interesting that the two different publishers were working on the same project, right? Because usually, you know, one, the one publisher wants control of the whole right. thing, right? Usually, they're at and, odds. And, yeah. well, well, not at odds, but just if if one's doing the deck, they usually also do the book, or if they're doing the book, right. it's like right. so. Well, so it's kind of interesting that the they US had a, games they had a nice relationship over the years. And, oh yeah, yeah no, so, it, it, it just um, I, I I guess I hadn't realized that they were actually from the two different. Yeah, I just kind of associate. You know, it's like it's Lon's world; we just live in it. Right? Yes. <laughs> The world is just one big publisher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sometimes it seems that way. I know. And I've got uh, my new book, by the way, The Accidental Christ. That's uh, uh, Yeah, that's a Thelema Ora. It's a new yes. publisher. Yes. Oh. And, and, and they have a very nice website. You should check it out. Yes. And many interesting and, and And that's not because, um, you know, other publishers... Um, you know, I'm mad at them or anything, but you know, Weiser just doesn't do fiction, right? And uh, 
You, you, so. you, know, you know, it's well, it's like, you know, U.S. Games wouldn't publish a romance novel. Yeah. So no. you, yeah, you have to find the appropriate publisher for your topic. That's right. So hey, that's it, Lon. You could try writing a romance novel. Oh, yes. <laughs> I think it'd be great. It could be entertaining. Yeah, yes. it could be like right up there with Daniel Steele and Mystical Barbara Cartland. Heartthrob. Yeah, See, I know. Go. I think it's a great idea. There you go. Yeah. You put it on your project list. She clung to my tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I guess the question I want to ask is: um, earlier you talked about uh, when you're approaching a publisher, uh, it's almost like they're taking a leap of faith on whatever the project is that that you're promoting. Uh, with the success that you've had with the 14 books and the various other publications, at what point is it not a leap of faith? At what point um, are you that that trying to resource based on your your former success that they will take the project and and not beat you up along the way to be able to get it into the publication? Right. Yeah. That that that's a, a different stage in in the relationship because I've I've got two more projects that. Uh, um, uh, aren't even in the formative, formative stage yet that mm-hmm. the publisher's committed to. Wow. And, uh, and such. So, so it looks like you're going to have to keep working then. It looks like I'm going to have to you have, have to keep going. You yeah. definitely need to get T-Bow then. Save it all up. Really. But anyway, I'm working on a, mm-hmm. on a Nokian book. Oh, uh, oh yes. It's, it's, which is... Uh, Probably be next year's book, but mm-hmm. uh, here at Pantheacon, it's 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 today's talk, yes. and it's going to be very experiential and stuff, and mm-hmm. so it's going to be a new uh, uh, a new look at the older D and Kelly material mm-hmm. as as a preparatory uh, uh, you know step in doing stock postmodern mm-hmm. right. you know Enochian uh, stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm trying to. Uh, uh, Zoom in on how how did Dee and Kelly in their first three years how were the angels preparing them right. to get the Enochian stuff which came mm-hmm. just in the last six months of their their relationship mm-hmm. so um, I'm I'm thinking uh, well if modern magicians could prepare in the same in a similar way as Dee right. and Kelly were prepared uh, mm-hmm. how much better Enochian magic would work. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, just on an interesting side note, um, we were having dinner in the hotel restaurant last night, and somebody at the table next to ours ordered one of the desserts, and it came out, and it's shaped like an Enochian pyramid. Oh. Wow. And I was, I was like, I, I was looking at it, and my husband said, well, if you want dessert, get one. He said, no, it's not that I want dessert. That's the shape of an Enochian pyramid. Wow. So, so when you're done at the restaurant, be sure to check it. You don't have to eat one. Just you know, ask to see one because it's it's the pyramid with the flat top. It's like, oh, you can wow. like get a whole bunch of those and make an edible Enochian board. <laughs> really, <laughs> really. Hey, there's an idea for your class. Or get in your swimming trunks and just dive into it. You know, just... <laughs> maybe not in the middle of the restaurant. <clears throat> but oh, um, it's Pantheacon. <laughs> well, yeah, but you know, we try not to frighten the staff too much. Um, so, in terms of the Enochian, I, I know we have to let you go very soon. But if we could just get no, your no, opinion no. on one more fascinating topic, or your fascinating opinion on one more topic, mm-hmm. um, did you sort of just stumble across the Enochian? Did it fall in your head one day? Um, oh, it fell in my head one day for sure. <laughs> um, well, again, this was a long, long time ago when uh, uh, I was I was given a lodge or allowed to open a lodge of OTO in Southern California in the mm-hmm. late seventies. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I started 
my Monday night magic class or my weekly magic class. And uh, every week I just tried to stay one jump ahead of the class. <laughs> that's the way it was because uh, um, many of the class members were as knowledgeable or more knowledgeable than I. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, you know, I had to sort of, you know, face the fact that, that this is sort of a group working here, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm just sort of, you know, riding the class like some strange mechanical bull. You know? <laughs> it's, it's, it's modern education, so you're not teaching, you're facilitating. I'm facilitating, right, yes, right. Uh, mostly just facilitating the house. You know? <laughs> and so we had gone through all the preliminary stuff that all ceremonial magicians are obliged to do. We did our pentagram rituals until we were sick of looking at those things. And <laughs> did our hexagram ritual until we were sick of looking at that. And, and um, so I was thumbing through my gems of the equinox for something sexy to do at the next class. <laughs> and and uh, so I looked, oh, this Enochian stuff looks interesting. And I started reading it. And, and oh, what the hell is he talking about? <laughs> and... Um, but I was I was hard pressed to have something new and ex- exotic for the next class, mm-hmm. so I uh, I read it over and over again until I saw that Crowley wasn't being obscure; he was just being incredibly economic with his mm-hmm. words. And uh, I also had the Golden Dawn, uh, the two volume set Brigardi said at the time, and so I read that, and all of a sudden I've seen that Crowley was explaining in one paragraph what uh, Rigardi and the Golden Dawn material was explaining in 19 pages. <laughs> Literally. I'm, wow. And uh, so, but you had to read those 19 pages to understand what, what Crowley, Crowley just right. said in, mm-hmm. in just a remarkably few words. Mm-hmm. And so we, we started um, uh, doing an Enochian workshop. Mm-hmm. We started off as a workshop look, let's build our elemental tablets here, mm-hmm. let's, you know, and I made copies, and we colored them mm-hmm. and figured out the method of the madness of coloring them, and, and I decided um, that I wanted to build um, my elemental tablets and such in three dimensions with, with pyramids instead mm-hmm. of just mm-hmm. flat, like right. the Golden Dawn did. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were lucky enough to have a wonderful craftsman in the, in the lodge uh, who had a horse racing uh, habit, and uh, he... He would, uh, on any given race day, would come and say, look, um, if you give me $50, I will uh, cut all 690-some of those truncated pyramids out of wood for you. Wow. Wow. Well, okay. And it'll be like magic, right? Yeah, it'll be like magic. And uh, someone else so, work. <laughs> and I don't want it to sound like I was taking advantage of him because he felt like he was taking advantage of me, and it just worked out perfectly. Oh, the demon well. relationship. You know. <laughs> this is the yeah. Orba story. Yeah, that's the same thing. Yeah. Um, hope hope you're if you're listening, guy. Uh, hope you're okay. And uh, so that I started doing doing that, but in order to um, so he cut them, and I had to sand them. And then seal them, and then paint them, and coat them, and sand them, and one more coating kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I was uh, the project started, and I'm not handy at all. <laughs> I don't like doing stuff like that. But the the idea to get even one tablet done, there's 156 of those, and mm-hmm. they have to be painted in a certain way. 
and I'd be getting up earlier and early in the morning to mm -hmm. sand those things and get them ready. And, and you're I, such a morning person. And I'd, <laughs> I'd leave for work later and later. <laughs> and coming home from work earlier and earlier. You know? And pretty soon I didn't have to go to work at all. Ah, anymore, geez. anymore. Okay, Ooh. and I, I hardly even noticed that I lost my job. <laughs> oh. And um, just squeezed it out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And. Um, but you weren't obsessed. Oh no. no. Oh no. But the project sort of takes on a life of its right. own. Yes, it does. And, and right. I sort of got a got a clue mm -hmm. as to what the nature of the Enochian spirits were. Mm -hmm. Okay, by how I was. Integrate literally right. integrating the way you're immersing mm -hmm. yourself right. in right. So uh, and again, I I realized that they're just me. Mm -hmm. Okay, this is, I'm not bringing these things in from the outside. Mm -hmm. I'm organizing myself, and myself is mm -hmm. is leading to this behavior because mm -hmm. there's only thing you, the one thing you can change in magic is yourself. Mm -hmm. That's the only thing you can change. Mm -hmm. in magic. Mm -hmm. If you, if you want to change the world. With with magic, you got to change yourself, right. and then then you go out and change the world. Right. Or if you want to make it rain, mm -hmm. you change yourself to to a person where who it rains upon. Mm -hmm. okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, so in any case, it's it's an internal process that you're developing. Yeah. And um, but anyway, I I sort of um, you know latched on to well well this is really the 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 real magic behind the magic mm -hmm. and uh, and I I guess everybody has to do that that's what makes uh, teaching magic impossible mm -hmm. uh, you can't teach magic but the person has to learn it mm -hmm. yes and uh, yeah most of the time you learn it despite people's efforts to <laughs> right. teach it right, right. Yeah, uh, met a lot of those yes. yes. Wow, quite the wild adventure. Oh, yes, it's non-stop adventure. Never a dull day in the life of Ron <laughs> Duquette. Great. Well, I think, unfortunately, we do have to... We have come to the point where we do have to let Ron go to his next engagement. But this has been fabulous. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you for having me. This oh, is thank you for for gracing warming us. me up this morning. we'll have to have you back to uh, kind of uh, catch up on what your new projects are. Okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, it's it's because um, we'll be seeing you. Um, I don't know what, where where will we be seeing you next. Where will you be next? Uh, gee, I, I will you be at Lats in fall? Um, That's the LA Tarot Symposium. Yeah, I will probably. Be there, uh, but I'm going to Amsterdam and and oh. I'm going to the Tarot of the British Isles thing. Oh, and, the one on October 21st? Uh, no, it's oh. uh, June something or July. Oh, oh July 6th okay. in oh. uh, Bristol. Yes, because mm -hmm. there's the one in London in October. Uh, well, that that was the one I was thinking. But. And then um, I'm going to be in Toronto, mm -hmm. and uh, actually I. I don't. I have to keep. This is what I do now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm, I'm no longer uh, uh, gainfully employed. <laughs> I'm, I'm a full-time lawn now. So, Ooh, so how every, wonderful. every week has to. I have to talk somewhere mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. do something, or mm -hmm. rob a liquor store. <laughs> uh, no, that's too much effort. Yes, it is uh -huh. too much effort. It's, it's yeah. easier just to do speaking engagements. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you're interested in finding out where Lon is and if he might be coming to a town near you, you can check his website at 
www. Do I have to say www? No, the, the whole just, world knows. It's just lawnmilo.com. L-O-N-M-I-L-O.com. And while you're there, buy some of his books if you don't have them. Please, oh, yeah. I've okay. made no further provisions for my family's future. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lon. It's been fabulous. It's been a pleasure. Mm -hmm. Thank Excellent. you. And um, we'll have you back again later this year, and you can give us an update. Okay. Great. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. That sounds good. Say bye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.